This week's TribCast is sponsored by UT Dallas is the third highest ranked public university in Texas by U.S. News and World Report. Surprised? Find out more at utdallas.edu. And South by Southwest EDU. Take part in impactful, community-driven programming, unparalleled networking opportunities, and unexpected discoveries, March 6th through 9th in Austin, Texas. To find out more, visit sxswedu.com. Hello and welcome to the Texas Tribune Tribcast for Friday, February 24th, 2023. My name is Matthew Watkins, Managing Editor of News and Politics for the Tribune. And this week I am joined by our higher education reporter, Kate McGee. Hey, Kate. Hey, how you doing? Hey, so we are going to talk a little bit about diversity, equity, and inclusion on campus and the debate around it. Um, less than three years ago, after the murder of George Floyd sparked protests across the country, Universities in Texas and nationwide took pains to show that they were doing what they were doing to boost diversity among their student and faculty ranks and how they were making sure their students and employees of color were safe and comfortable on campus. This year, I think we're starting to see a really pronounced kind of backlash to that and, and reaction to some of those policies with, um, you know, a strong conversation in the legislature and the boards of regents and everywhere else um, in Texas higher education about the impact of those, including some universities paring back their policies or pausing them. Kate, you wrote about one of the big kind of incitements of this, which was a letter from Governor Greg Abbott to not just universities, but all kind of state agencies about their DEI practices. Let's start. Can you just tell us a little bit about what that letter said and what its impact has been? Yeah. So that letter um, really was focusing on diversity efforts in hiring. Um, it said that using diversity or considering DEI efforts uh, violated state and federal employment laws and that um, agencies and universities should um, be considering candidates, job candidates on merit um, and based on merit only. Um, and so you know, it was as many of these laws and kind of directives around the country have um, been worded, it was very vague in terms of like what exactly about diversity efforts in hiring the governor thought was violating the law. Um, and experts that I've spoken to since this letter came out have said, you know, this is that's kind of the point or that's intentional. Um, there is when you put out a directive that says, um, you know, using diversity efforts uh, would violate the law in vague ways. Um, the hope, according to experts, is that they will, uh, agencies or universities will overcorrect on their own to make sure that they are not in violation of that law. And in the weeks since, at least in the higher education realm, that's what we've seen from various universities um, who are taking the governor's memo pretty seriously. Yeah, so let's talk about that. We've we've heard things from UT, from AM, from Texas Tech, a lot of the kind of big public universities here. Let's start with UT. They took action this week. Tell us what they did. So the board chair, Kevin Eltife, said that the university system-wide, so all universities um, across the state, uh, are to 
pause any future DEI efforts. And they are now going to ask every university to provide a review to them of all their current DEI policies. Again, very vague on what DEI policies they're talking about. Um, the university system has not responded, did not respond to kind of questions to kind of get more specifics in that realm. Um, so it's unclear if they're talking about hiring, are they talking about student efforts? You know, lots of schools have diversity, equity, and inclusion offices on campus. So they have vice presidents of diversity or committees that are looking at how well schools are, um, you know, serving the, the increasingly diverse student populations that are coming on campus. Um, so there, there was kind of a, just a pause and a, a reassessment. Um, and LTIF said at the meeting, you know, that they welcomed the kind of concern that's coming from the legislature on these issues and that they are, you know, welcome, willing to kind of make changes based on whatever the legislature might decide they want to do statewide when it comes to DEI. Um, so that's where that's where the UT system stands at this point. And, and what about A&M and Texas Tech? Yeah, so Texas Tech's uh, situation is a little interesting. It kind of came slightly before Abbott's memo, actually. Um, you know, a lot of this, these issues about pushing back against DEI um, have come from uh, conservative think tanks. The Manhattan Institute put out a kind of legislative draft for um, a, a bill draft for state lawmakers to, to use to ban diversity, equity, and inclusion within higher education. We've seen it kind of used in other states, mostly Florida. Um, and the same group of people had started writing about a biology department at Texas Tech University, and they had gotten through open records requests, um, this rubric that the biology department was using to assess job candidates on their um, understanding of diversity, understanding of different ways to make their classrooms more inclusive to help a you know diverse students succeed um, and the ways in which these school these uh, job candidates might be using diversity if they were hired at the university and the this conservative you know activist took this to mean that tech was um, putting in like a, a litmus test of uh, uh, for their job candidates and trying to make sure that they subscribe to a particular ideology. And, you know, that got pushback from the, the legislature and tech said that they are now reviewing all of their hiring policies um, because, and, and, and disagree with this idea of using diversity in this way in hiring. So they have kind of started a review. We haven't heard where that review stands, um, but, they are, but they kind of made a very forceful declaration at the Capitol that, you know, they don't, they don't subscribe to that idea. And similarly, Texas A&M, though done more quietly, Last week, they told all of their department heads that going forward, any future job openings should only include a specific list of requirements, resume, cover letter, references, um, and a and diversity was uh, diversity statements, which is what they call that. We can kind of get into what that is, but um, you know, considering diversity was not one of the like standardized job application requirements that Texas A and M now says all departments must use going forward. And you know, if uh, according to some sources we talked to at A and M and some um, emails that we got a hold of, you know, open positions right now that are asking for job candidates to kind of weigh in on their thoughts on diversity 
should either disregard those and, and should not be kind of asking those questions going forward. This, you talked about kind of the vagueness of this and about how, you know, stop DEI, but we're not going to define what DEI means or does. It, it kind of reminds me a little bit about the CRT debates of the last session in schools, right. right, where you had a lot of people, a lot of conservatives in the legislature arguing against critical race theory. But what the people who studied or kind of worked in that realm considered critical race theory and what others were describing it as there was a big difference there. So what can you tell us about what kind of DEI initiatives are actually happening on college campuses and what, if anything, you know, the, the leadership of the state finds offensive or, or wrong or illegal about them. So, you know, you mentioned at the top, um, there has been this, this push, particularly uh, after the murder of George Floyd, um, to make higher education more inclusive and, and more diverse and kind of represent you know, in our case, the state of Texas, we heard a lot of universities say that they were trying to make their schools, whether that be the faculty or the students, be more representative of the people who live here. Um, and I think it comes down to, you know, this question that uh, a lot of people who support intensive or intentional diversity efforts on campus is like, do you want your college to include everyone? Do you want them to be able to be successful? when they're here? And if so, how do we get them to do that? And so a lot of these offices have been created to, to do that for students, whether that be students of color, students, um, LGBTQ students, students with disabilities, veterans, um, making sure whoever is walking onto the campus, whatever their background, first generation students, you know, that they have the resources and support to be able to make it to graduation. Um, and so, that is what a lot of these offices are focused on doing. And that looks different for different student groups and in different ways. You know, you see at universities, there are specific, you know, groups within the DEI office that are trying to help male students of color because the data shows that they are not, you know, succeeding like other, uh, as well as other students. And so it's very it's, it's very dependent on what an individual campus is finding that their problems are in terms of making sure everyone is successful. So that's why it's kind of hard to say like DEI offices are doing X on every campus. It looks very different in every single school, whether that's a, a university or a community college. Um, and then what we're seeing from, what we're, we're, we're seeing like some concern with those offices as being um, places that are pushing a particular ideology. And we hear that from, from lawmakers. You know, there's a bill from Representative Carl Tepper this session who wants to defund these offices just outright. Um, but we are really seeing a, a more of a focused push recently on diversity in hiring. And that is where we are seeing really the concern about um, coming from people like the Lieutenant Governor and you know, with Abbott's letter, that has really been focused for now on diversity in hiring, um, rather than you know this broader concern about DEI and and the student success efforts. Sure. All right, let's pause for a second and hear from our sponsors. Cengage Learning. Students value their education. While higher education costs rise, students still feel their courses are worth it. Find out more 
at blog.cengage.com. And the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. There's nothing like the real thing. Texas Cattle Feeders Association members raise high-quality, nutritious, and tasty beef for their families and yours. Real families, real beef. Learn more at tcfa.org or search at TX Cattle Feeders on social media. Okay, so Kate, I mean, one of the things we're dealing with here and I think thinking about it was just how can these schools reflect the diversity of the state, right? I mean, when you, we are now a state where there are more Hispanic people than white people in this state. The, um, but if you look at the big public universities, the most prominent universities, the University of Texas at Austin is 41%, or uh, 41.5% of the students who get degrees from UT Austin are white compared to 23.7% Hispanic. At Texas A&M, that gap is even larger, 63.3% white, 22.4% Hispanic. And, you know, recently we had on this podcast uh, an economist from the Federal Reserve. And one of the things that she pointed out that just really struck me was how um, the number of advanced degrees in Texas, more of those were earned outside of the state than inside of the state, which seemed to suggest that you know, one of the ways that we're supporting this growth is largely by importing educated people. And, and that is a problem when, you know, you need the people who currently live in this state to have access to good careers, good jobs and everything like that. I mean, is not some of this an economic economic question? I mean, is there an objection to be trying to make those colleges more reflective of the state? Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely um, an economic uh, debate to have about around this. I mean, you, you know, the commissioner of higher ed, Harrison Keller, makes this argument all the time. I mean, we've set this goal as a state that we want by 2030, 60 percent of people to have some credential or or degree. Um, and most of these the people who live here are people of color. And we need to be able to, especially within our K through 12 schools, and we need to be able to find a way to make sure that they're successful when they get into you know, a college or a university. Um, and I think I think there is some understanding of that. Um, but I at this, you know, because every every statement about concerns about these these offices as being ideological comes with, you know, we embrace Texas's diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I do think that um, within the you know the economic, we are seeing a lot of, of this conversation about making sure that Texans are prepared economically, kind of happening more in the community college and workforce space, and not really in the university space mm-hmm. where. Um, we are seeing, um, you know, the, the persistent issue of uh, diversity and not having um, students of color be represented in the same way they are statewide be the persistent issue. Um, and, you know, that has always been, you know, the university has always been the place um, that historically has not really been set up for people other than than white people. And so, a lot of these diversity, equity, and inclusion offices have been created to kind of correct that past bias and say, hey, we want to be serving everyone who comes through our doors. The, the people who come who are coming to college is different than, the, than they were when these colleges were set up. 
and we need to be able to make sure that everyone is successful. Um, but that is kind of, I think, where the tension lies. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, it is not a secret in the history of these universities that they were built for white people. And um, if you are only educating your, or, you know, does educating your populace in a system that was designed for white people in a state where my, white people are, you know, a increasingly smaller share of the population, you might need to kind of look at how you're doing things and 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 possibly make some changes. What's the reaction on campus to this? What are what are we seeing from students and faculty in response to these actions? I think there's a lot of concern. Um, you know, I think we, especially on the student side, and 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 there, there was a lot of hope. I think after we saw schools not only acknowledging um, their history and their kind of the role they've played in, um, you know, systemic racism in the, the, you know, the post George Floyd racial reckoning um, that schools were really trying to, to make a change. Um, I think this, a lot of students have expressed concern, not just about what the lawmakers are saying, but the, silence from silent response and lack of response from the people who are running the universities mm -hmm. you know the people who when you look at a university's any university's website in the state they all have diversity statements they've all pledged that diversity is an important part of how they are run the fabric of these universities and yet when we are seeing a pushback from state lawmakers there really is no um, public defense uh, of what they say that they, the values that they hold. Um, you know, I think there are, we, we have heard a lot of rhetoric around this. We're seeing what's happening in, in Florida with a lot of the legislation that's being um, filed um, and pushed by the governor there. We're still kind of in a wait and see mode in some ways with legislation here. You know, some legislation has been filed, but the priority bills that Dan Patrick has said um that he really wants to put to to get through have not been filed yet so it kind of remains to be seen like what that language is going to look like how far that's going to go um but there is definitely like heightened concern about what direction um the state is going the state's higher education system is going in you know i've heard talked to faculty who say you know they are in job interviews with potential um you know job professors who might move to austin there's a lot of questions coming from them about, you know, do they think that these laws are going to pass? How will that change the way the universities run? Um, so it, right now it's kind of a watch and see with a lot of concern from, from faculty and students. Yeah, and you, you touched on something that's one of our favorite topics to talk about just personally, which is the very uncomfortable and challenging position of university president or university chancellor here, where on one hand you have a constituency of students and maybe even more so professors who you might be trying to hire, you know, and, and things like that, who tend to lean, you know, this is a little bit of stereotyping, but I think it would, it would like lines up to be true, tend to lean more liberal, right? Younger people and, and, and people in the academia and things like that. But at the same time, you've got a conservative, a very conservative legislature that controls the purse strings, and you have a very conservative governor who is appointing members to the boards of regions, many of whom are wealthy, many of whom are white, many of whom are in some way connected 
to the Republican governor who does that appointment. And it just seems, Kate, like that's a very difficult balance to take. And right now, you know, some of these letters are coming out at the beginning of a legislative session where there's a lot of things that those those university presidents and chancellors might be asking for. And maybe they're saying, I, this is not the time to be pissing these guys off. Oh, exactly. Yeah, I think that is the constant struggle. Um, and I think, you know, you talk about the pushback from like left-leaning professors. I feel like, and, you know, I've talked to faculty at UT and, and A&M who say, you know, the faculty here is actually not as liberal as is, um, you know, professed by lawmakers, but even, you know, your moderates and, and moderate to slightly right-leaning professors understand the implications and concerns of some of these um, policies that are being proposed that kind of claw back at the entire like foundation of what higher ed is set up to be that risk things of academic freedom and, you know, issues of tenure, you know, tenure, the things that kind of make a university what they are. And this can, you know, concern about political influence in any way, you know, just because right now it's a, it's a, a right leaning, um, legislators that are kind of encroaching in the university space now if they set the precedent you know it's still it for many professors it would be just as concerning to have a liberal governor trying to decide what is being taught or what can be taught or discussed um mm -hmm. or how a school hires the people they decide to hire um so i think it is it is an, a very difficult position um for these for the chancellors and presidents to be in um right now. But I, I will say you said something that, um, you know, they're in this tough position, but I think the, you know, we've had this issue, a lot of issues about DEI, about critical race theory, kind of all this stuff we've been hearing um, kind of push into the higher ed sphere. You know, the other issue is tenure and mm -hmm. what's going to happen with, you know, how, um, how the state might want to change or eliminate tenure. I think chancellors and presidents have been able to make a better argument to lawmakers about tenure, uh, which is why we're not really hearing about tenure as much as we are hearing about, you know, these, these um, potential restrictions on diversity, equity, and inclusion, because they, the chancellors have been able to privately make an argument that if we want to be a state with prestigious high ranking universities, we need, the top talent. And if Texas cannot offer tenure to the top talent, they're not going to come here and we're never going to reach those goals. And I think that is a palatable argument, um, regardless of what your politics are, um, in a way that it is much more complicated when it comes to these kind of diversity um, and issues of race, uh, which, you know, make people uncomfortable and, you know, are more difficult to kind of parse through. Yeah, and that's especially true of Governor Abbott, who when he was, uh, you know, running for office his for his first term in office, one of the things he really talked about was elevating the Texas universities. And he said before he was sworn in that he wanted to see five Texas universities on the nation's top 10 lists of public universities, which I'm not sure that was ever really a, a realistic goal. But, um, yeah. you know, it, it definitely seems to be something that he uh, cares about. You know, he's he's clearly a big UT fan, cares a lot about that university as well. Um, and I think it was noted um, by our politics reporters last week that he didn't really bring up, you know, he talked a lot about wokeness in public schools um, during his state of the state speech last week. He did not bring up 
uh, universities really much at all if I unless I'm missing something and 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 that is definitely something interesting to watch um, as well um, particularly around the tenure area and I think if you're a chancellor or a pre-university president you absolutely take note of that and um, that drives how much you're willing you know you might want to create a public fight that gets you in trouble with your own board of regents and gets you in trouble with the governor when he hasn't really forcefully said anything publicly that you might need to oppose yeah. Okay. This is also all just happening during a time where the legislature seems to have a lot of money to spend. Right. And I mean, part of this too, has got to be trying to position yourself to get some of that money. I mean, we were seeing the universities of Houston, Texas tech asking for, you know, uh, uh, not, endowments. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I'm trying to count how many uh, 10 figure endowment, uh, you know, numbers. Is that right? Uh, yeah. You know, a billion dollars uh, in, in that uh, regard. Um, and, you know, I think both also just schools wanting to see kind of a, a nice boost in their, their formula funding. Um, how is that looking right now? How does that play in with some of the other kind of anti higher ed rhetoric we're seeing? Yeah. I mean, I think there is higher ed is seeing, you know, the cash that the legislature has, and they've made early, like big requests to try and, you know, take, get some of that money there, you know, the university chancellors have proposed that they will keep, you know, four year tuition flat for the next two years, if they can get more money, if they can get the legislature to cover, you know, you mentioned the formula funding, but there are other kind of big ticket expenses that, um, that the that they currently foot the bill for and they'd like to see the state chip in more money for you know um tuition for veterans children and the hazelwood legacy program is a huge one employee insurance not like super sexy things but things that like really cost a lot of money that they're trying to get that they argue if the state will cover they can um keep you know tuition affordable and um everyone wins when you have a more affordable higher ed system uh, i think that is really what universities want to be talking about. Um, I think a lot of them are trying to keep the eye on the prize there and simultaneously trying to explain to lawmakers, you know, here's what our diversity, equity, and inclusion office does and kind of demystifying that a bit and making sure that, um, you know, kind of setting what's happening on their campus apart from the rhetoric uh, national rhetoric about what's happening in higher ed. I think Texas schools really try and like get away from the national conversation. Um, and, and that's, and in some ways they've been successful in that, in that realm, but it, you know, it remains to be seen how successful they can be with all of this push this session. Yeah. The less, the less you're being talked about on Fox news or on the wall street journal editorial page, the better, uh, the yeah, more. Even, I think they would them. think even the Texas tribune, <laughs> they do not want to be. <laughs> no, 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 surely not. Surely not. <laughs> All right. Well, it'll be interesting to watch how these university leaders toe that line. Thank you, Kate, for that conversation. That is about all the time we have for today. Also, thank you to Justin, our producer, and thank you to our sponsors, UT Dallas, South by Southwest EDU, Cengage, and the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. We'll talk to you all next week. Do I have to talk to you? Do I have to talk to you?